welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for George Deacon, Adam Conk. Kind of getting used to that phrase these days. You're like, what, three, four weeks of Deacon? Three weeks tomorrow. Three weeks tomorrow. A big Deacon, Deacon Adam Conk. <laughs> we got producer Chad Bayro in the uh, in the corner there. Are you getting used to the producer title, Chad? I've been hearing it a lot, actually. Outside of this podcast and around town, it's a <laughs> really? little weird. Yeah, people yeah. call you producer. I've heard Chad? it a few times now. You're yeah. seeing it. No. Well, then that's the only reason we know people are listening. <laughs> it's yeah. the feedback Chad's getting. And look, you're welcome. It's and well look, deserved. Too. You're a great producer, oh, Chad. Doing great. Speaking of great producers, Chad comes in with so much content planned for the show that yeah. it's it's like we have to sift through. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More is better than less, for sure. You're right. It's more so like me texting Chad the day of the show, the morning of the show, 30 minutes before we get here and say, hey, you coming? And he's like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's really kind of. And it's a beautiful thing that happens. That's really kind of weird. True. I started to just log things that I see throughout the week in the back of my head. Yeah. All right. So um, I got I to gotta have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yeah, for real. So, you know, it seems to be that the uh, the, the pandemic's kind of lost, but actually, um, you know, it's not. Economically, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, for me, like, like a lot of events have been canceled. So, you know, like seven months of work. So I've been thinking about, you know, what could I do, right? Like, w- what are some things I could be doing, you know, besides this, you know, amazing show and... <laughs> besides the zoom things that I'm doing that, you know, are are so amazing. Um, I I saw this, this woman started selling sea sponges. Did y'all know that was a thing? Like uh, actual sea sponge? Well, I knew they exist. Yeah. It's a luxurious item to have in your house to to use a sea, an actual sea sponge to like wash your dishes. Yeah. Or or your, or your elbow or your body, but you can grow these things. Like, like you can like, farm raise like i don't know crawfish or tilapia or whatever like you can like farm raise like sea sponges okay and then you can harvest them and grow them and so i was really thinking like that would be cool well you've been talking about building tents lately like you know like like paul the apostle built tents maybe that's your thing yeah he was like the top evangelist of all time no one will ever pass him up right yeah like he he owns like you know the goat greatest of all time evangelist you know, oh, but, yeah. but yeah. even him, like at times, like had to, you know, make tents and kind of sell them to Stand kind of support by. his ministry work. I could do sea sponges. Yeah, it's like Catholics having hemp farms and you're having a <laughs> sea sponge farm. <laughs> but Paul, what what makes you think this is your thing? I don't know. I just think it's kind of cool. Like, do you, have, do you yeah. have the facilities already? Or? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you disappointed with your current sponges in your house? <laughs> don't use sponges. You might start. I'm just thinking, you know, sea sponge. It's a good idea. That's all organic, you know? You could really hit that market. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, no more loofahs. You start using your sea sponge. Don't let inorganic material touch your elbows. (laughs) Use our sea sponge. Yes. Anti-ashy elbow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, now I know you had to have you seen, Chad, because you've been preparing for the show. What do you got? (laughs) So one of the things, it's not really a new news item, but uh, one of the things I've been hearing about is Neuralink. I don't know if you've heard about it or you've heard of that word. Neuralink. 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 Yep. And it's Elon Musk, who's, you know, made Tesla, SpaceX, Boring Company. And the cologne, right? Musk. Musk cologne. Did he, did he do that? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, 
get into everything, <laughs> every every facet of business. That's um, right. So Neuralink is this this basically brain chip that he's developing. The initial like iterations of it are supposed to be to fight brain disease and like like Alzheimer's and dementia and like CTE for athletes that have had too many concussions, things like that. But he's hoping to get it to a point where it's almost like your phone, just like quicker access to it. How do you feel about that? So like it could help with, you know, CTE or, you know, dementia, whatever. Even like, even like uh, people that are paralyzed, but it's like a spinal brain injury. That's the reason they're paralyzed. Right. That's kind of his idea or what he's going for. But would it, would it be like a tracking device inside of it, you know, as well? Like it would, it would keep track of like all your Yeah. If your phone, if your phone's doing that now, you know, like this, the one, one of his arguments for it is like, we're basically say, cause he says we're basically like cyborgs. Like we have this phone that we use for information. It's just really slow. Cause you have to text. It's like as fast as your thumbs move. You know what I mean? For you to get all the information you want. Gotcha. But this brain chip would just move like infinitely faster. So, it would, so it, as you're location thinking, it sharing would, all that stuff. No way, man. I hope I'm dead before that happens. <laughs> to me, you can have. I don't. I don't. I do not want a chip in my brain. He says it could happen within the next ten years. Well, I believe him because he's got a billion dollars. Right. And I'm sure. And he smells good. You know the uh, <laughs> the ability. I mean, he just put a space uh, a, a rocket <laughs> into space. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, what have you done? You know. <laughs> Right. So to develop a chip to put in your brain that works that, you know, I don't think it's thinking for you, but it's taking what you're processing right and and then could, you know, whatever. Can I be the Catholic nerd in the room? Sure. All right. So Pope Benedict weighed in on this, actually. Really? This Mm -hmm. is what we're getting at. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is the stuff I want to hear. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, One of his great books, many, actually it was a collection of lectures, but it was uh, Christianity in the Modern World or something like that. Mm -hmm. It basically says this, what we worship, we become like, Mm. you know, so if we worship God, we become like God. And he says, modern man, postmodern man worships his own creation. So like the things we can make, we worship that. Mm. And he predicted a time, now this was 80s or 90s when they collected these lectures, he predicted a time where we will become our own creation. Like we will want to be in union with and become that which we create. Hashtag this situation. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a good thing in that idea, right? Like to literally make it part of me. Yeah. I want to unite myself to God, not to my own, the work of my own hands, Mm. you know? This is what idolatry is, really. But that's just me. Well, and the further and further you get away from God being the creator and the designer, I mean, it's like cloning, you know, like cloning you, you know, just taking your DNA and then like making another you. You know, I mean, this thing can, like, just keep going. Like, you know, with technology, it could just keep going and going. And, you know, where's the line and the limit, you know? I don't know. As it is, I feel like I want to detach from my phone more than than I am already. I couldn't imagine, like, this thing that I don't feel like I can turn off. Yeah, and I keep saying, like, I I wish I could just go through life without a phone. And you know what? I could. (laughs) But I choose not to. Simon Cowell does. He, Does he, he really? ditched his phone like three years ago. Wow. Of course, he's like a gazillionaire, so he can just hire Yeah, but somebody. how does he show up to all the... He hires someone to tell him when his stuff is. See, but then that's 
that's the same thing. It's like, oh, I'm like avoiding like the thing, but then I'm gonna hire you to do the thing. <laughs> exactly. And you uh, better have your phone. You place your burdens on somebody else. Exactly. Placing right. your burdens on someone else. You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know. Man. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. But I have heard a little bit about these chips, you know, and even they to the sense they become tracking devices, we lose our freedoms, you know, and, and here we are, you know, talking more and more about, you know, having freedom and being able to express ourselves. Technology actually can, can, when it gets to a certain point, actually begin to steal our freedom. Yeah, it enslaves us because yeah. we become dependent. I mean, and look, I'm, I'm not downing the internet, okay? But mm -hmm. that's probably the best example of dependency of the human race on a technological invention of, like, ever. Yeah. Like, we are entirely dependent very quickly on the internet. I mean, in 1994, people didn't know what the internet was, and now we literally can't operate anything without it. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, it, it, it does at times replace human relationships, you know? And so, you know, back in the day, like, if I wanted to learn how to work on a car, I needed to spend that time, you know, with my dad or my grandfather mm -hmm. or a friend, and we would have to take the car apart and learn how to, like, fix it, right? Yeah. If that was your interest or something else, a bike or, you know, build whatever. Now I can avoid relationship, right? I don't have to call my dad or my uncle, my grandfather. I can just get on the internet, Google, and say, you know, how do I fix my transmission or whatever the case may be. And then I can just stay in my garage by myself on a computer, fix it, and, and work on it. And w what I'm missing out on is the actual human relationships, right? And we're seeing technology affect our culture right now in a sense of, like, all the conversation that's happening with the issues in our world is just it's online. You know, and what I'm saying is like, go to the people in your neighborhood, go to your friends, like have these conversations in person, like have, don't, don't be void of the human relationship and connection with folks, right? Because we're all made in the image and likeness of God and God wants us to be free, but we got to be free to be in relationship with each other, right? So what the internet will do is take the place of the human relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, if people are saying, well, you know, I'm friends with so-and-so. Have you ever met? No, we, we just, I just know them online. Are you actually friends? Mm. Right? This is what's, what's kind of crazy. It is crazy. Well, freedom through human relationships sounds like a great segue to marriage. It is, and we're going to talk about that. <laughs> you know, I was just recently having this um, marriage coach coaching session over zoom and i want to get into that because you know not particularly who it was right but you get you guys would know anyway but um <laughs> just some of the key elements and gretchen and i are actually a part of this marriage conference that's going on this weekend um we're not at the conference this is but it's happening it's, it's a, something it's an online virtual and conference. we just we just shut down technology and then we're going to talk about yep. and then we're virtual like conference yeah. promoting a virtual yeah yeah it's called joyful ever after um <laughs> It's free. You can just go register. I think you still have time because it, it goes through Saturday. Uh, but there's a ton of talks already online from married couples from all over, different topics. So whatever your marriage is dealing with or areas you want to grow in, stuff like that. So it's free. Mm -hmm. um, go to joyfuleverafter.org. Joyful Ever After. I yeah. like that. All right. So we're going to take a break, and uh, we'll be right back. It's Paul George here. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs 
while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShares members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, Chad Bayro in studio. Thanks for listening into the show. If you're watching on Facebook, you can make comments, uh, ask questions. We'll make it a part of the show. We're recording live on Facebook, and then we're recording the recording of the recording of the podcast okay. and the it's radio show. got to be some show. kind of record. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, <laughs> lots going on. Uh, so we are, Gretchen and I are part of this conference, marriage conference called Joyful Ever After you actually register for it it's free online uh you can go to my facebook page or or whatever or go directly to the website but anyway it's cool because it's it's trying to help people you know just have a great marriage and you know we can't have these conferences right now because of the pandemic still and all the regulations and so at least they're trying to do something online so actually this past weekend um we did an engaged conference so engaged couples who were preparing to get married mm-hmm. Uh, between 30 and 40 couples and it was canceled uh, because of you know the venue and the diocese um, where it was being hosted so we asked if we could actually just do it online and, and keep it online and they said yes yeah. so it actually ended up going great you know so you know we had this screen of like you know 30 40 engaged couples you know over zoom so you're missing the human connection you're mm-hmm. you know the whole time i'm thinking I'm missing being in the room, having actual conversations with actual people in, in human flesh. Right. Um, so, um, but it was better than nothing, you know? So, you know, we, we did the day and and ended up going well. So, uh, all that being said, um, that led into some marriage coaching we've been doing over zoom, right? I'm, I'm learning zoom. I didn't even know how to work the internet before this whole uh, pandemic. Yeah. I don't think that's true, Paul. Thank you. (laughs) Then you can get on the internet. Well, barely. Barely. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're here, Adam, to make sure all those things get on the internet. Producer Chad. Yeah, that's great. And I've been shocked by, you know, I've felt that difference, too, as we do, like, online ministry. It's just so much different than in person. And so for me, it feels kind of like not quite all it could be. Mm-hmm. But in reality, to the people receiving it, I've been shocked at, like, the people we've reached first of all but also how much it actually impacts them you know like it for them it's very real um because maybe they don't experience these kinds of things in person anyway like this is the first time they hear this idea this message and um you know so for us who are doing that online ministry it seems awkward it seems not quite connected whatever but for the people we're reaching i mean it's a lot of lives are being changed right now and i'm sure a lot of marriages are being changed uh from that conference yeah, no, absolutely. Now, the marriage coaching over Zoom was a lot better because it was just one couple and me, and then you're actually talking back and mm-hmm. forth, you know, so it's not just participants out there and you don't know who they are or know their names. So there was, you know, I found the one-on-one over Zoom was really cool in a sense of you got to really talk and, you know, discuss. And we've all gotten used to that over phones or using our video phones or, you know, when I travel I'm out of town, I can call the family now and uh see them on video and stuff like that when i first started doing this like i didn't even have a cell phone you know i'd have to find a pay phone when i got to the airport hey i made it you know i'm (laughs) I'm here and then you know i wouldn't 
you know, I might not talk for a few days to my family, you know, with everything. With cell phones, it's, it's a lot easier and whatnot. So technology, in a sense, of being able to connect with people uh, does have a lot of positive things, right? Yep. So I'm able to do this, this Zoom with this couple. And it was interesting. Here was a question I asked them. You guys can think about this, um, but not answer it unless you really <laughs> want to. Um, so they obviously contact me because, they, you know, they want to have a good marriage, but, you know, there's some certain struggles and they've been married a couple of years and, you know, have, have some young kids. And, and so, you know, it's just a lot of stress and tension, which is very normal. Right. And, um, yeah, I said, so each of you share, uh, what you think you most need to work on in your relationship, in your marriage. Right. And so it got kind of quiet and silent and they were like, you go first, you go first, <laughs> you know, and, uh. And then, and then they each started kind of going back and forth and kind of throwing some of those things out. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we know, you know, it's like, well, we have conflict and, you know, I'm this way and he's this way and whatever. But it, it really all came down for them for one word, communication, like for them, like the way that they communicate actually brings more division than it does unity in their marriage, right? In their relationship. And it was interesting because they just don't really yet have the tools to communicate in a way that they can have resolution, you know? And I don't, I don't know, like, so that's one of the ways we we're going to work on. But when, when I zoom out and think about a lot of folks out there and a lot of things that are going on, like the inability to actually just communicate feelings and needs and differences and bring resolution and hear each other is not something that comes very natural to people. You know, it's like, here's my opinion. You suck if you don't believe in it, right? Or here's how I do things. And if you don't, you know, do them that way, then, you know, I'm out. Marriage isn't like that, right? We're two different, very unique people who come together who have to learn to be on the same page, uh, have conflict and resolution, uh, have differences, but yet learn to live with each other and have joy in the midst of it. Um, and if we don't do that, there's just going to be disunity and division in our marriage, and it's going to cause a lot of tension. Yeah, I think some people, something people don't know, as a person that's graduated in communications, that it's a, it is a learned skill. Like it's something that, sure, like maybe not everybody is born with the ability to, I mean, I guess you're not really born with the ability to communicate very well. <laughs> if, <laughs> you just yell and scream for right. like a quarter well, of your it life. Gets for, the, for, it gets the job done, though. It does, it does. <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's a... It's something that you can learn and build habit in good communication so that you're thinking before you speak or even learning to listen well and not like, yeah, I'm sure, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people in marriage um, hear their, their spouse complaining about X, Y, or Z. And what they hear is like something personal or that she's, she's mad at me for this. And, and that's not really what she's saying, but you've never really taken the time to listen. You just respond to it right. in anger or respond with like an answer to her problems instead of like just sitting and listening. And that's like a small skill, but as she speaks, you can remind yourself like, hey, I'm supposed to be listening right now. And that's like, it takes time, but yeah, I don't know. Communication is learned. It's not something that nobody's born with the ability to communicate well. Right, like it is a learned thing. I mean, some people might come in with better tools because maybe mm -hmm. the, their school of, of family and marriage growing up was a little bit better than someone else's, right? And, and they kind of saw good conflict and conflict resolution and communication better than someone else, right? So we're, we're kind of different. But actually, in communication, uh, 
only 7% of communication studies show this only 7% of communication is actual words spoken. Okay. So 93% of communication, I'm doing the math right there <laughs> is two things, Solid math. tone and expressions. So facial expressions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you know, folding your arms, what, what your face says actually is like 50 something percent of communication, right? It's just the way you the look. The nonverbals, yeah. The nonverbals, yeah. This is why I think American marriages in particular struggle with communication because language is not just the words. So if you go to a place that has a strong, not just national identity, but like ethnic identity, let's, let's say Italy, right? Let's go to Milan, okay, or wherever. Like go where the language was born and there's a strong connection to it. It's not just the words they're going to say. It's the way they argue with each other. It's the faces they make. It's the hand gestures. Like, all of it is part of Italianness. And children that grow up in that have those tools and those abilities that, like, when you get mad, this is what you do. You know, when you're sad, this is what you do. When you really want to get your point across, this is what you do. But in America, we're a modge podge of, like, a thousand different cultures and ways of doing things. It's like every home is its own universe, and we grow up in a, a house where we learn words to use maybe, but like maybe not this is what we do when we get mad. This is what we do when we're sad. This is how we express it. This is how we understand it. And so we don't have that tool set, which is, is damaging to our communications. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up different cultures because I have friends from um, South America, you know, and they're Latinos. And, you know, I remember being in their house one time and they were like, yelling and screaming at each other <laughs> and i was really uncomfortable mm -hmm. and like a second later they were like laughing and i was like what just happened <laughs> <laughs> like were you guys mad they're like no that's just the way we communicate and you know we get fired up and you know it, it was very interesting the difference in culture because it's almost like in certain cultures is like you know if you express yourself a certain way then then, then that's wrong but but let me let's zoom out back to the internet thing so if seven percent of communication is words spoken and the only way that you communicate to people is on the internet. That's just words, right? They don't see your tone and they don't see your, your expressions, right? Mm -hmm. So like you're leaving out really who you are and what, what's really believable, right? Because I can say, I love you, but if you don't see my face and you don't hear my tone, it's just words, right? So if you're looking at your spouse, and you say, I love you, and you have a mean face, and your tone is like, I love you. They're going to look at you and be like, you're lying. Like, mm -hmm. you're mad at me right now, right? Because they're going to pick up on your tone and, and your facial expressions. And so we communicate on the Internet like, like we're, you know, these, you know, we have something to say. Emojis. But, it, yeah. but it's not the full expression of what communication is, right? It's two people actually really dialoguing facial expressions, tone, words all coming together. So the other part of communication, you know, after, um, you know, tone is, is your, the way you express, you know, like your tone, your expressions, and then um, the way you look, you know, the way, you, the way you hold yourself, you know. So that's mm -hmm. the majority of communication w well before you actually speak any words. So like, as you were saying, like your ability to just sit and listen, right? Well, you can listen with a mean face, mm. not say a word, and that person can be like, 
you don't care what I'm saying. And you're like, I haven't even said anything, <laughs> right? But you've said everything by the way that you look, right? Mm. So, yeah, and it's it's a uniquely human problem. You don't see like gorillas and tigers <laughs> sitting around saying, we have communications issues, you know, like they know mm -hmm. how to communicate to each other because what they're communicating is purely material life. Like I'm hungry, I'm threatened, like, right? Yeah. But we as spiritual beings in a material body or like spiritual material beings, really, when we communicate, it's really an, a miraculous thing. Like a spiritual being is using the material element of us to communicate something spiritual. Like we're going to give a spiritual thing, what's in my heart, in my soul, in my mind, through a material means. The words I'm going to speak, the gestures I'm going to make, the tone I'm going to use. Like I'm going to use the matter that is me, part of me, to communicate that which is not able to be seen or tasted or touched my own heart, my own soul. Um, and good communication is able to do that. And I think the reason bad communication hurts so bad is that it, it, it's like getting a counterfeit $100 bill. It's like, this stinks. I thought it was real. You know, and when we communicate badly, we get, we get hurt because we should be getting that soul and that heart from that other person, but we're getting something else. Mm, yeah, because all that, all the 93% or whatever, the nonverbals kind of communicate like our disposition, like the way we feel about somebody and, yeah, connect with somebody. And so, yeah, it's, it's like one of the things is like so difficult to communicate all that we feel and are and all of our experiences in like, I don't know, a set of words, even a paragraph. And so I, I think that's why it strikes us so much when something beautiful is said in like the perfect way. And it's so like moving because it, it really in incorporates all that we feel and think and experience, you right. know. But if you leave out the element of your tone, your human tone, and your human facial expression, right? And just say words, it's, it's really empty, right? It, mm -hmm. And it's the fullness of who we are because, you know, we're body, we're soul, we're emotion as people. And in marriage, like, if you, if you leave the emotion out, like, what do you have? Like, if you leave the body out, the soul out, what, what do you have, right? If you're just two people coexisting, right? And so in meeting with this couple, you know, you know, we were talking. Oh, that's where we were at. Sorry, and he was far away from it. <laughs> no, I'll bring it back. He was saying, you know, like, you know, the way she says things and then, you know, he hears them and, and it hurts his feelings and he gets angry and then he says something angry and then her feeling, you know, it's like this constant, like the way that they communicate actually, instead of bring unity, brings division because there's no resolution, right? So then there's resentment and then they feel like they're on opposite teams. They're against each other. And yet the whole time they desire to have unity and a good marriage, they just, they just constantly are like hitting this wall, right? So it really is learning a lot of the art of conflict. Some of it, the lack, you know, of like the bad communication is rooted in probably some of their experience growing up, maybe the way their families did things or the way their families communicated. They don't have the, the natural tools that they have to learn. And some of it's just, you know, the fact that they're, you know, men and women, right? communicate differently so you have to learn like how to communicate with someone who's the opposite sex who thinks differently you know acts differently is different gender so it's learning all those things and, and it, it really is an art like it just takes some time to really communicate and communicate isn't just about you expressing it's about like what you were saying Chad it's about you listening and receiving what the other person's saying right and, and not like you know just reacting from it 
oh yeah well you said this well guess what you know (laughs) but really be able to see and sit back and say i hear what you're saying you know and be able to express your feelings back what ends up happening with communication is people stop talking about feelings and needs and they just talk about surface things this hurt me if you would do this differently why are you like this you're all you always do this you know blah 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 instead of saying you know i feel hurt when this happens you know and be able to really get to the real feelings and that's what brings resolution it's hard to fix a car while it's on like if the engine's on it's gonna be pretty hard to change the oil mm-hmm. right and i think that's why a lot of marriage Actually, wouldn't do it yeah you shouldn't do that bad idea but like in a marriage i think we often feel helpless because we're in the moving vehicle but we know the engine's not right and we don't know what to do about it because it's like because when you you can't just tell someone communicate better it's like telling the car you know run better you have to turn the car off first of all like take a step back take a breather have some reflection on your marriage not engaged in your normal life but like kind of take a step back and then assess what the issue is in communication and if because we were built to communicate this is why we're made like we're made for union with god communion is union with we're made to communicate, and marriage is about communication. Uh, St. Pius XI, Cassie Canubi, said the point of marriage is shared life, union. Like, that's the whole reason we do this. How do you bring about union? The act of communion, communication. Like, it's the marital act, right? Like, we're made to do this. The car is made to run, but there's stuff wrong with our engine. So we got to be able to turn it off from time to time, give it a tune-up, but also, like, address major issues, and then turn it back on. And... um. Yeah, so I think this marriage conference is great and opportunities like that are great because that that's the design, right? It's to like turn off the engine for a bit, just be brothers sisters in the Lord for like a talk or two and then get back at it, you know? Yeah, it's true and you know, I think you're right because marriage oftentimes feels like it it it's it doesn't stop because life doesn't stop and we're mm-hmm. married and we're moving and there's a lot of things and you know, you know, we can't just stop, but you can slow down, right? You can just you know, not put all the conflicts on the table and say, we got to solve all this today. We can just start small, learning small mm-hmm. tools and building resolution in small areas. You know, what I'm finding with a lot of the younger couples these days that I'm working with is that, you know, if they haven't learned how to have community and communion with other people, they get into a marriage and they're like, whoa, there's another person here, right? So if they've just spent their time having community online, you know, mm-hmm. um, on the internet, having conversations on the internet, they have certainly not learned the tools and the skills of actually being in human community relationships, right? Well, and the reason we have friends at all is to know them and they know us and know our heart. And I I worry a lot. I see young couples struggling often, but I think a lot of friendships are coming down to shared experience. Like that's what we do together. We go fishing together. We go skydiving together. And like millennials are really good about finding that crazy experience to do together. And then you talk about that experience. That was awesome. Like, I love doing it, you know, and I, I wish I did more things like that. Well, great. But like the shared experience isn't necessarily revealing your heart to you. You're just having fun together. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, right. and that's good. It's good to do things together. But if you can't sit over a cup of coffee and explore the depths of your heart with someone, you won't be able to do that with your spouse. Right. And you don't have to be like, you know, spousally loving everybody that's not what i'm saying but if if i'm not skilled in that art of just self-exploration and expression with another human being it's going to really because there's only so many experiences you can have in marriage 
You know, you can you can go camping and on vacations and and watch movies with your spouse, but eventually that's not enough. Right. You know. Well, and I I was, you know, meeting with you know a, a fiance. You know, we're going to do their marriage prep, and I was asking her about, um, you know, her fiance, and you know, like, does he have, you know friendships where he can like have accountability outside of their relationship right because I, I think that's really important for us to have you know um, friendships with you know for a guy with other guys and and vice versa to where we can really kind of share and have some community and accountability that community and accountability doesn't fall just on our spouse the responsibility to carry you know my load all the time and uh, she's like, well, you know, he has friends and they get together and they have fun, but they don't really talk about anything, you mm-hmm. know. And so I'm like the only one he's talking to about anything, you know. And so, you know, it's one of the things that I'm going to encourage him in is like, yeah, you have those good friendships. But it, it is, you know, if you have those friendships, it's it's uh, it's being intentional about taking a turn in those friendships and kind of bringing some depth into that you know, community and that, that accountability of saying, Hey, you know, I need some help in certain areas and I'd like to just throw this out there. I think it's really, really important in a relationship to have that. But if we don't learn that, you know, either a, when we get into a marriage, we don't know how to have community with our spouse or B, since we don't have, haven't learned how to have community with any other folks, friendships, we dump all of our accountability onto our spouse and it's a heavy load for them to carry. And then we'll get mad at them because they're not carrying it well. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, there's certain things I think as, as men and women that, you know, we it's just good to have outside perspective and accountability, you know, and it's also good for your spouse to know that you have outside perspective and accountability that's helping you to become a better spouse, right? Because that's what mm-hmm. we all, all want to be. It's working on that. All right, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Paul George Show. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio with producer Chad. Recording the show live on Facebook and the podcast and the Paul George Show on KLFT Radio. So good to be with you guys today. So good to be with you, Paul. Love it. Yeah, we're talking about knotheads. Um, <laughs> you'll have to go on the Facebook feed and, and listen to that. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I think so much of, of what's going on in our world right now is the inability, effectively, in a sense of, like, I do believe that m- most of us in our country and our world desire the same thing. Like, just as in a marriage. Like, I think the two people who... In, who in, were intentional about getting married, desire the same thing. They desire to have a good marriage. Now, not all marriages make it. So, some end in divorce, and and that's unfortunate. But the original desire was good, right? To to have a good marriage, to be in unity, to be on the same team. 
And I think for married folks, like all of us, like we, we want and desire the same thing as our spouse. We're on the same team. And I do believe that in our culture, the majority of us want the same thing. We want love. We want unity. We want hope, right? We want to get along. We want to hear each other's differences and be able to understand those things. And communication really helps that it, to be able to sit down and, and have those conversations. That's what I keep telling people is like, have the human conversations, have the human conversations, right? With the people in your life and in your neighborhood that um, like have those conversations uh, because they're really, really important. And it's amazing. It's beautiful, right? When you begin to mm-hmm. really, really build unity, right? So I think we all desire the same things. And, and my hope and prayer is that we can continue to, to move forward in really hearing each other. So, all right, we're going to have a six-pack of questions. Title it anything? Question. Yeah, six-pack of communion questions. Com- com- communion questions. Communion questions. questions. <laughs> all right. There you go. All right, question number one. So for marriages, look, most of us who are married are pretty poor at communications. Um, and we know that because of the divorce rate and other things. But even those that stay married, the number of people that say they're happily married, they're fulfilling their marriage, like it's a pretty big disaster out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us want to be better. We just don't know how. So when you're working with um, a couple, how do you start to kind of address those communication breakdowns? What's a good place to, to start in your marriage to kind of rebuild that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, you know, the divorce rate's fifty percent, which is, you know, that's a that's a rough one. You know, less people are getting married now, which is, you know, might drop the statistic, but not necessarily in a good way. And of the people who are married, only forty percent of those say that they're in a happy marriage. So sixty percent of married folks are unhappy or struggling in their marriage, right? So that's a large number, right? And like I said, like most people. I think and believe desire to have a good marriage is why they got into it. They fell in love and, and they want to be on the same team and they want to have union and unity. You know, most people who reach out to me, at least they're making a step, like they're taking a step forward. They're being intentional about working on your marriage. And I think that's the first thing is like, no matter where you are on, on the spectrum of your marriage, great marriage, you know, trying to, trying to sift through some struggles is you have to be intentional about working on your marriage, about doing things together, about learning how to communicate, about dealing with issues, about getting help, having accountability, nurturing the marriage, going on a retreat, you know, getting spiritual direction, whatever the case may be. If you're not intentional about doing that individually and as a couple, then your marriage over time is just going to begin to become unhealthy because you're not growing, right? You're not getting better. So people who are intentional about that have a much more higher rate of happiness and unity in their marriage than those people that don't, right? So people who reach out to me are struggling, but at least they're intentional about reaching out. So when it comes to communication, like the first, you know, step, you know, I would take with them is, you know, where, where's the grind? Like, where's the conflict, you know, and then begin to drill down because most conflict in marriage is not about the conflict that they think it is, right? Well, we fight over, you know, the house is messy and, you know, he's late all the time and that's not the issue, right? Finances and we can't agree on, you know, budgeting and, you know, you know, he went out and bought this and, you know, it's like just, you know, it's like fire. That's not the issue. So it's getting all that out because the issue is usually what I call 
those are critical issues, you know, money, parenting, you know, in-laws, you know, time management, you know, hobbies, but there's underlying issues. It's like, what are the issues under there that's really, you know, at play, you know, that's really kind of getting to the core of the argument and the conflict. And so it's getting to that. And once people get to that and can really hear each other, there becomes a, a sense of empathy for one another because they understand that the conflict is usually deeper. The hurt is deeper. The need is deeper, right? And uh, sometimes it just takes time to drill down, you know? Doesn't it just happen like that? So that's Man. why there's sometimes it's good to have a mediator just to kind of recognize what those things are. I like it. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. What a deep answer. Yeah. I, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a scary little place to, to dive into. But question two. You talked about um, people needing friends outside of their marriage to be able to, and, and good, deep friendships. And I feel like this is a problem. I mean, I guess I hang out with mostly men, but um, I feel like men struggle with making those deep friendships pretty often. Maybe maybe women do too. Um, one of the things I feel like is in the way is they're like afraid to open up to their friends and feel like almost feel like their friends won't understand them. Or, or they don't want to seem weak because they have issues or things they struggle with. Um, which I know, like, first, everybody struggles. Everybody has issues, and, th and th they feel weak in a lot of ways. But what advice do you have for, for men and women that just want to start having those conversations with people? Like, how do they start? How does it begin? I don't know. How do you get over the fear of it? Yeah, and I think that's a good question. I mean... And a good comment is that there is fear there. I think women more naturally might, um, you know, um, integrate into those types of relationships and, and can kind of immediately maybe start sharing. I think women more struggle with who do I share with because, mm -hmm. you know, like your, your emotional needs or your, or your things need to be safe with people you really trust, right? So if you're just clamoring all over the place, you know, like it's important to have trusted people with that. Um, I think with guys, I think it takes more time, just like in a marriage, like it takes more time for a guy just to really learn how to share his needs and his feelings and to, to be vulnerable. Um, in friendships, it's the same way, but I do think it usually just takes one person in a friend group just to, to kind of take that turn and be like, Hey guys, like, I know we have fun, we fish, we hang out, you know, we, we do whatever, but, you know, maybe every now and then, like, we could, you know, really state the intentions of how we can pray for each other. You know, what are our real needs? Where do we need accountability? You know, uh, can we call each other when, when we can talk or need to talk about something else? And so it usually just takes one of those guys to be intentional. And I have a group of friends I have lunch with every now and then, uh, not as often as I should. Friends I've been known for years, like all the way back since high school, Right. And, uh, you know, we'll get together and we'll just start sharing stories, you know, and, and it could get really fun and really engaging and it gets your mind off of things. And usually I'm like the guy that's at some point during the lunch to be like, hey, why don't we go around? How can we all pray for each other before we leave? Mm -hmm. Because if we if I don't ask that question, we're just going to keep laughing and sharing old stories. And so but I want to be intentional, you know, about having that that accountability and that brotherhood, you know. And so it's really just kind of you know, that, you know, who's, who's the person that's going to be intentional about that? Cause I think most people, most of your friends want that. They just don't maybe not know how to take that next step. So, mm. yeah, it's almost like 
it take, even then it only takes one person to be like, Hey man, I'm struggling in this way. What do you guys think? Yeah. And, and like something that small can open it up. Right. And unfortunately for guys, a lot of times guys don't call for help until the house is on fire. Mm. Right. So it's like, Hey, can you come over that? Actually, the house is actually on fire and, and <laughs> you know, where it's almost like too late where we need to be a little bit more proactive in what, in taking care of ourselves. And so having that type of accountability to just help us to be better men, right. To, to, to have some good people in our lives who make us better. Sweet. All right. Question number three. Um, so in marriages, I've always been fascinated by this phenomenon. We just get so, we get so mad at each other. Like the anger that married couples have for each other is like unmatched. It's amazing. Like what is the source of this anger and how to, how to, what's kind of a roadmap of like working through that, that marital anger? Because when you're so mad at somebody, it's hard to listen to them. It's hard to talk to them. Like you can't, you just can't engage because you're just angry, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking to this couple, and he says, you know, I go to bed angry, and I wake up angry. And I, we, I didn't get married like this, but I just go to bed angry, and I'm waking up angry. And that's just a sign that there's a lack of, of real resolve and resolution. And so you start feeling like you're on the opposite teams. And then what you do is when you get into your guy or your girl's group is you just hate on your spouse, which is horrible because your spouse is a human being, right? And they have dignity. And, yeah, there may be hurt there, but – you know, when you're sharing your struggles with friends, you got to be really safe with that. And you got to uphold the dignity of the other person. And you have to have people in your life who are fighting for your marriage, not just saying, oh, yeah, you're right. When, when you get home, you just tell him, you know, like really <laughs> fighting for your marriage. Like if if you have friends that don't fight for your marriage, then they're probably not really, really good friends. Right. Mm -hmm. they're, they're just, you know, allowing you to be, you know, something that you're not. And so when there's real anger there, there's obviously a hurt and a pain. And it's, e it's either triggering something from your, your family of origin, something that's deep rooted that you didn't know was there, or there's just, um, healing that needs to be done in, in the marriage that, you know, that there's been some cause of hurt. Right. And it could be over years, you know, it could be some type of just the way you talk to each other, the things that you've said to each other, or, you know, where it almost feels like there's, there's an emotional disconnect to the point where it feel, almost feels like, you know, emotional abuse, you know. And getting to that resolution might seem monumental. You know, might seem like this will never happen. We'll never love each other again. So what actually ends up happening is when there's hurt, we emotionally distance ourselves from each other. We just push mm -hmm. each other away, right? Uh, the disunity. And... And then there just becomes anger. And the way we deal with that other person is we just turn off our emotions and we just deal with them or her very coldly. And then that's, you know, when people wake up five years in their marriage or 20 years and they're like, we just don't love each other anymore. That's because there's been days and weeks and months and years of doing that instead of resolution that's happened. It's unfortunate, but it's impossible. And that's what I tell you. It's like, you guys want the same thing. It's just going to take a little bit of work. Like, don't give up. But get the tools and reach out to the folks who can help you because at the end of this, like, is good, right? Like, it, but it's hard right now. But like just, you know, let's work through it. We can do this. Yeah. Question four that we're at. Um, so, yeah, speaking into that a little or speaking about that a little bit, I remember there was this, this one night kind of recently where, um, yeah, I did something stupid that made a bad decision. <laughs> 
<laughs> my S- wife told me how it is. Sounds like a guy. Yeah, yeah. And she told me, you know, she said something that was that was very true, but it hurt. I didn't like hearing it at all. And yeah, I don't know. I went to bed kind of angry about it because I didn't really know what to say or what to do because it was true. Um, and I woke up the next morning still a little upset about it, still a little angry. And it, it took the whole day to be able to like articulate it um, and just say how I felt. And like, saying how I felt and really like telling her what she, how what she said makes me feel despite it being true and, and real, you know, whatever was like super helpful. And I felt, you know, there's a lot of resolution that happened afterwards. Um, and, and, and me apologizing too. But I say all of that because, um, you can, I, sometimes I can almost feel guilty for going to bed angry. Cause you always hear that phrase like, yeah, don't go to sleep. I don't know, whatever, whatever it says. Don't let the sun down, go down in your anger. Right. How true is that? Or like, I don't know if you, how do you feel about that phrase? Yeah. Well, you know, there's levels of anger, you know, there's anger. Like if I go to sleep and I don't this angry, you know, um, I might kill you in my sleep, you know, (laughs) there's levels of anger. Um, not all issues need to be resolved before you go to bed because sometimes they're just layered and, and it's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. You know, I always suggest for folks is like, once you're tired, you need to stop talking. You need to stop arguing, you know, like past 10 PM I'm out. Right. Mm. So then it becomes like emotional. <laughs> then you say things you regret and then you're tired. It's like being drunk. Yeah, exactly. And so what ends up happening is, and then you get f- way past what the issue actually is. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always say is like, if, you know, if you could just agree to revisit it and say, Hey, look, I, I know this is, you know, we had this argument or this is happening. Um, getting tired. I just, I love you. I need to process, you know, probably should go to bed. Let's revisit this tomorrow. So it's okay to revisit it. What's not okay is to not revisit it, right? To like, everything's fine. Let's just bury it. And tomorrow will be better because that's going to come back to haunt the marriage because you're going to get in your next fight. And this is what's going to happen. One of you are going to say, well, remember when, Mm. and if, if that phrase comes up, remember when that means there's, there's an issue that's unresolved, right? Because if you're in an argument, you shouldn't have to rehash or look back. The issue should be the issue, right? If you're, if you're rehashing or looking back, that means there's been issues that are unresolved, right? But it is okay to, you know, put the issue on the shelf and revisit it the next day because the conversation might just need to be long and it's, and it's layered, you know, and like in your case, it's like what she said was totally right. You having to like sleep through the humility to receive <laughs> that, right? So you could wake up the next day and be able to say you were totally right. And I'm sorry. Now the way you said it hurt my feelings, but I, you know, I just need to say that. And so like you were probably better the next mm-hmm. day than you were the night before. Right. Cause you yeah. were able, and sometimes that, you know, communication, there are things that are said in truth that do hurt. Right. And I know oftentimes in our marriage early on, when some of those truths were, were said to me about my behavior or the way I did things, my response was, Oh yeah. Well, what about you? And so I would just name something that she did. Yeah, I would deflect. I would mm-hmm. deflect the issue back onto her. Now it's different because I'm like, you know what? Like, let me think about that. You're right. I shouldn't have done that or said that. You know, so just growing in humility to receive things that are true, mm-hmm. not deflect them, but to own them, and then to and then to have the conversation really 
has made all the difference. Mm. But love it. All right, question number five. Um, so we got this conference going on and some good talks. I just want to encourage people to consider this conference. So, Paul, in your experience, like, how much does a good talk really offer? Because I know for a lot of couples, especially when they're on their last leg or like they've been really at each other for a while, something like this might seem like unrealistic. You know, like we're this couldn't really help us. You know, how much can a good conference or a good talk from someone who knows what they're talking about um, help a marriage that's in trouble? Good. I mean, it can it can help a lot. It can have a lot of good work. Go to joyfuleveraffter.org, and the, you can sign up for the conference for free. And then if you want to get all the content after, there's a premium pass. But there's like 60 talks, so you have all this content, and you can sift through that. The gift of marriage, couple spirituality and prayer, working on your marriage, fostering intimacy, God's plan for fertility, raising happy children, going through trials and suffering, intentional living, family finances, journeying in community, uh, loss of a child or spouse, resources, presentations for women and men. So they, they have like, you know, it's not like it's a one, it, it's not like, Hey, every marriage needs to do this. It's like, we're, we all have unique marriages and we're unique people and we have unique struggles or ways that we want to grow. And so the, the conference offers a variety of those talks to kind of gain some insight. And it's basically couples just offering insight on the way that, you know, they've, you know, grown in those specific areas. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it can, it can only help. It can only help. So, but like, have you seen these things actually help people? Does that happen? Well, yeah. I mean, I was, uh, you know, actually looking on our talk and ours was, um, under the, the, uh, the title of fostering true intimacy. Cause our talk was called courageous love. How vulnerability is key to deeper intimacy and emotional unity in your marriage. And then, uh, you know, I went into our talk and then, you know, people were making comments underneath or asking questions and interacting. So it's obviously helping some folks, yeah. you know, so, um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, we, Abigail and I got to go to the marriage conference, um, that was happened locally. And one of the, the big fruits of it, I think is just like the talks provided something to just like, like, Oh man, we do need to talk about that. Like this mm -hmm. is something that we haven't, or that we've been struggling with that we really need to explore. And this talk gave us words to use to, to kind of articulate what we've been feeling or they are the things that we're struggling with in a way that we haven't otherwise got to. Right. So I think it's been, yeah. And what it does is, is it provides a platform for you to have a good discussion and to work and talk through things and, and to know that you desire the same thing. And when you know that you desire the same thing, then you have a humility and a, and a patience of just working through it, right? Like we mm -hmm. want to be on the same team. We want to be on the same team. And that's my encouragement not only for marriages, for folks out there and, and all the things that we're dealing with is we all want the same thing. Let's have a good conversation. Let's hear each other. Let's talk it out. Let's love, you know, because we want the same thing. All right, last question. Yeah. Last question. So how do I know when my marriage is in trouble? I guess something we've been talking about. I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't feel like mine is personally. I don't, I'm not asking for me. Right. But if, if I was listening to this, you know, I don't know. How do I know when an issue is actually an issue that I need to go to somebody else besides just my spouse to talk about it with, you know? Like, how do I know when I need to go to therapy? Or how do I know when I need to get marriage coaches or counselors? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that 
issue of, you know, do I need personal help? Like there are things in the marriage that are bringing up in me that I know if I got personal help would help me to be a better spouse and, and work on this marriage. That's one thing. And we have to often evaluate that. Right. And then there's the context of the marriage. It's this feeling of like, are we growing in friendship or are we just like coexisting? You know, like are we in union or is there distance? You know, like, so if you're asking the question, like, how do I know what my marriage is in trouble? It's good to recognize if your marriage is struggling before there's, the gap seems so large that it seems insurmountable to work through, mm-hmm. right? Now, I believe anything can be worked through with God's grace and with help. But, you know, um, I think it's just recognizing, man, we're growing distant. It doesn't feel like we're friends. It doesn't feel like we're on the same page. It feels like there's there's tension, unresolved, like we're in different camps, right? Even though you don't want to be, it feels that way, and there's a sense of that. You know, those are the moments that you need to say, hey, let's do something. Let's let's get back on track. Let's go on a retreat. Let's reignite. Let's meet with someone. Let's, let's start working on some of those things because uh, it's important because before you know it, if that keeps going on and on and on, the feeling is that, uh, we're not going to be able to work this out. And there's this feeling of hopelessness, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've heard that from couples who have gotten divorces. The hopelessness was so big that they didn't feel like they can work through it, you know, mm. and that's unfortunate. Yeah, there was, uh, I don't know how much time we have left, sorry. Um, <laughs> there was early on in marriage, I remember uh, there's just some events that happened that really brought up some stuff inside of me that I that I hadn't really dealt with. And I was sort of, I don't want to say I was taking it out on my wife, but um, I was just having these conversations, discussion with her, trying to explain where I was at and like what I was struggling with and almost like trying to put it on her for her to help me. Mm-hmm. And like in her humility and charity, she was just like, you need to see a therapist. It's <laughs> 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 like, you know, it stung. I'm like, I don't need to see a therapist. Like I can deal with my own problems. But she was like, no, like I can't handle this for you. This is something beyond me. You don't need to make me into a therapist or make me into like Jesus you need to see somebody else. Right. And I love that because she's not, you know, emotionally codependent to the point mm-hmm. where she's willing to take on your emotions and your struggles. Yeah, she's going to love you and journey with you uh, as she should. But, like, there are things, like, our spouse isn't supposed to carry, you know, that we bring into the marriage or we're working on that it's healthy to get outside perspective and help so that we can be better in the marriage. And, you know, there's been times in our marriage where I'm always like, I wish I could help you. Mm-hmm. But this, I can't. I mean, I can love you, but I can't help you deal with this. You got to deal with it. So, great discussion, you guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, you can revisit the show, Facebook Live, go back and watch it, or on the podcast, the Paul George Show, or on KLFT Radio. It'll air. So, thank you guys for listening. You can go to discovertheartofliving.com uh, and get information on all the work we're doing. Support the show there, help us stay on the air. So, thanks, Deacon Adam and Chad for being a part of the show and we'll be back next week. God bless.